Welcome back listeners. So Josh, in the first segment, we just gave a general recap of corn and soybean harvest progress across the area, some considerations around some of the, the alfalfa across the areas if you're needing to kill that off before next year and then the green beans we're seeing in some of these fields. But as we move into this segment, um, I'm kind of going to make a little reference to, we have one of our counterparts to the West and he always talks about how, you know, you never forget to check the oil in your truck and he talks about Similarly to how we don't forget to check the oil in our truck, it's always important, you know, to have a nice gauge of where our fertility levels are sitting across these acres. So maybe a little bit of a cheesy reference there, but I think it is, you know, kind of a nice correlation there. So, yeah. you know, I think there's some things that maybe we've seen trend-wise in the past couple of years. And as we move in into this year, I think there's some points around fertility that are definitely worth hitting on and, and making sure we, we communicate to the masses. Yeah, I've had a, a few growers reach out and, and um, kind of want to go through their fall spread plan and, and uh, with some of the beans and even the corn coming off there, they're just looking at, you know, getting a jump start on this before, you know, while the weather, you know, the fields aren't too muddy yet. We've had a little bit of rain, but the fields are still holding up good. So wanting to get a jump start on that. And, you know, one of the things we've um, kind of discussed as we went through some of these plans of, of what to spread this fall is, is kind of looking back at the previous two, three years here where, um you know, fertilizer prices have been a little bit elevated, you know, the farm commodity prices have been a little bit off where, you know, the last couple of years really going through crop nutrition plans, we've maybe tried to sharpen the pencil a little bit, you know, really, you know, study out our soil sample data, you know, where do we got some really good levels, um, where are we sitting, you know, maybe where we need to be, where we're a little low and, and maybe trying to redirect where we're putting fertilizer, maybe trying to save a little bit here, put a little extra there, just maintain here. Um, it's kind of been the philosophy here to I'm not saying we're limping along. We're still trying to be aggressive and make sure we're maximizing yield, but we've maybe uh, pulled the reins back just a little bit as the farm economy got tight. And um, as we kind of worked through some of these, you know, we were going through, we took off some pretty good, you know, bean yields, some pretty good corn yields. And, and really what um, we kind of found with the fertilizer price and changing is that, you know, maybe if we're looking at spending a similar dollar amount as last few years, we're able to bump up rates a little bit. Uh, in some cases, maybe bumping potash, you know, 15, 20% or maybe 25% in some cases, just depending on what we want to do there. Um, but yeah, potash prices is, is, is pretty attractive right now. Phosphorus is still up there a little bit. So, you know, we're maybe not being as aggressive on that. Um, but there are some opportunities to, um, to maybe take a look at that. And really, if you look at his history, Allie, I always look at fertilizer. I always view it as a commodity. However, you know, we tend to buy a lot of fertilizer when it's really expensive because the corn and bean price is really good. And we tend to buy very little fertilizer when it's you know, lower in price because the corn and soybean pricing is good. So we always tend to, to buy fertilizer backwards. We tend to buy a whole lot when it's expensive. We don't buy very much when it's inexpensive. But in most cases uh, this year, um, you know, we're maybe trying to push rates a little bit higher and that might be something as you're, you're working through that, just go through some numbers and really look at what have I been spending? What have we been spreading? What have we been removing? And uh, I think all that goes into that. And Allie, I think the other thing, I briefly referenced it, but I always I always like to go through what are we getting for corn and bean yields because that's really what should what should drive what we what the bare minimum we should spread as we prepare for the 2021 crop. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's going to be any surprise to anyone. You know, we are going to again this year hear some big yield numbers likely, and just as a general maybe scenario, if you look at a 220 bushel corn crop, you figure you're removing about 80 pounds of P2O5 and you know a little over 65 pounds of K2O, and you look at a 70 bushel soybean crop that's 56 pounds of p2o5 and over 100 pounds of, of k2o so you know just to, to put some general numbers to maybe what you're likely to see across your fields and i think along with that it's important to just have that understanding like we mentioned earlier of what are those soil test results across our fields 
Um, you look at maybe some of these drier conditions we've had down the stretch. Um, any specific thoughts on as we're sampling, what are maybe some different areas of where we want to spend that money between grid or zone sampling, um, and then timing this year too, just like I mentioned, maybe being a little bit drier down the stretch. Yeah, um, one thing I, I'm always a little bit careful of in, in fall sampling, if we've been really dry and, um, you know, we've had a little bit of moisture here, but, but not a lot of rain, but, but sometimes uh, on a dry year, we can see uh, potassium soil tests come back a little lower than expected. And one thing I like to do is once you get the crop out is if we can get, you know, maybe an inch or two of rain and, and maybe two, three weeks time, we can get some of that um, to kind of release out of residue and maybe pick up on that a little bit more. But that's just one, one call out um, that we tend to see on a drier season, which we were pretty dry uh, in August and in September here, but that might be one consideration. And then uh, you also, you know, reference kind of that removal. You know, one, th one thing I notice um, when sometimes when I go through growers um, fall spread plans or their P and K plan is sometimes, you know, it's maybe a very similar spread for the, the, the corn ground and the bean ground of how much potash and phosphorus we're applying. But in general, it's always important to remember that the soybean crop is a much larger remover of potassium. So it's gonna be take more potash out of the ground. The corn crop's the opposite. It's gonna take a lot more phosphorus out of the ground. So when you're ever looking at, you know, how much do we need to put back? In most cases, we should be applying a lot more potash after the beans because we took a lot more out the field and we should be spreading more phosphorus after the corn because we took a lot of more of that out there. Now there's two ways to think of it. You can look at what did I take to want to put back or what am I preparing? Um, that's kind of always two ways to look at that. What am I preparing for versus what did I take? But I always like to look back how much to re remove, what do I got to put out there to, to set the crop up for uh, success next year. And with that, Ellie, we'll probably call this show a wrap and uh, we'll be back one week from today. And I think we'll have a whole bunch more uh, yield results, hopefully some plot results and some agronomy stuff and we'll go from there. You've been listening to Today in Agronomy on KFILAM 1060. If you've missed part of the show or want to hear more, check out the show page at kfilradio.com or with the 103.1 KFIL app. Stay connected with Allie and Josh on Twitter. It's at Allie G-Wise, W-I-S-E, and at Josh Schaffner to submit your questions for the show. Tune in next Wednesday for the next Today in Agronomy on KFILAM 1060.